0: All right, welcome to episode 57 of the At-Bad podcast presented by War Media, where we give you our thoughts on the latest Chicago baseball news, as well as take a trip around the league. I am Sal Rodriguez. This week, I'm joined by Gabriel Wilkins, who, of course, you can see on War Media's Open Run podcast. And, you know, this week is basically like an all-star recap, you know, going in, going into what, you know, what happened over the last week or so in, in baseball, which, of course, we're in the all-star break right now, recording on Thursday, July 13th. But how are we doing, Gabe? How would you enjoy the all-star festivities, man?
1: I'm doing well. I I thought the all-star festivities were fun. I think it's been a a nice – it was a nice cap off to the first half of the season. You know, a game that went down to the wire, even though the National League stole the game and is is a fan of an American League ball club. I I like seeing the American League maintain any stretch of dominance that they can, especially, you know, after knowing from legends of old or hearing from, you know, past – how much the National League used to dominate it. But nonetheless, mm-hmm. it was a hell of a game and, and a game that came down to the end and has really been an incredible, or, or, or shown just how incredible the 2023 season has been if you include the first half of the season on top of the way the season began with the World Baseball Classic and that thriller between Japan and USA in the team, in the finals. So I, I'm excited to see what the second half has to bring.
0: Yeah, no, you're right, and I think, uh, and we'll we'll get into the All Star game, delve into. We'll start it uh, mostly by going into the the home run derby I, that was on Monday, um, and and kind of get into that. But yeah, the All Star game was. I think both events were just as good, and and the the, the seeing the All Star game and. Getting that finally seeing the NL, you know, get a win after you know, for the first time since 2012 when when we were in high school, Gabe. So, right, I, I believe, freshman we were, year yeah. college, but yeah, <laughs> oh, freshman year, in college. my bad, my bad yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I was, I was, uh, uh, still in, in high school just seeing that that's, that's ridiculous. That's the last time they won, but you are right, though, that at, at the same time, that a national league guys shouldn't really be complaining because they dominated for so long, you know, back in the day, so it's kind of like we're we're just in that stretch where the American League's dominating is just the way it is but uh yeah we'll we'll get into that and we'll we'll talk more of the all game but we'll start off with the Homer derby which of course you know especially here in Chicago was headlined by the fact that loose Robert number 1 seed and man we'll we'll just start from the beginning straight up the first round i mean that that was fun i think probably the first round might have been the best part of the whole home run derby i feel like for a lot of reasons but for pr- that particular uh, uh round when it came to uh, uh that one he did robert jr and uh adley rutchman like what were your feelings on that man i know adley of course uh he had a big round at 27 you know seven of those i think came when he switched over to the right side and that extra 30 that he had right so all right i think it was like i don't know if it was a minute was it a minute or 30 i forgot if he had a total of of, of of a minute or whatever but the fact that he switched over was so badass but I honestly thought I was like, man, Robert, you know, I, I'm not saying I was doubting Robert because the dude, like from the beginning, I've been saying Robert's got, you know, a great stance for, for uh, the home run derby. But man, when Edley was pounding those bombs in, in the extra 30 seconds that he had, that was crazy. But uh, anyways, how did you feel about that, that round with Edley and then having Robert come in and come back smoothly? He didn't even, you know, he didn't even need that extra 30 or that extra minute. He just went out there and hit one bomb and it was over. He broke the tie and, and what moved on.
1: Well, initially, just watching it in live time, I was like, man, you know, Lou got his work cut out for him because Adley Rushman almost made me look like an idiot for coming out here and saying last week that he didn't stand a chance against Louise Robert. And he definitely put on a majestic display, you know, what he was able to do, not only from the left side, but switching over to the right side. I was like, man, I, I don't know how you topped that and had his father, you know, throwing the ball to him and they had a cool father-son moment that I'm sure they'll never forget is that Mark Adley's first appearance on the All-Star stage and on the Home Run Derby stage. And he definitely put on an impressive showing. But I, I felt like once Lou started getting hot and he got halfway to that total of 27, as long as Luis Sierra, the batting practice instructor for the White Sox and the bullpen catcher was keeping mm-hmm. the ball up, I felt like he had a chance, you know, the one thing that makes Luis Robert Jr. So special as I've talked about many times before is that he make the game look easy. And, you know, we see it so much on the defensive side of the ball, but we, we take it for granted on the offensive side, what he's able to do sometimes, man, and being able to just pimp home runs 440 feet, you know, and, and beyond on multiple occasions, hitting the longest home run in the history of that ballpark at like over 480 feet, you know, that was impressive. So, once, once i saw him starting to get in his rhythm a little bit i was you know i got excited i was like you know he got a chance and then once he tied it up knowing that he had that minutes uh a bonus time i was like man all you got to do is just hit one just hit one you know he he made it very easy on himself and, mm-hmm. he, and he bounced back mightily strong and and i was glad to see that because it was sure as hell looking like it was about to be a first round upset. And I think that would have been by far the biggest first round upset All had it, it went down. But yeah, that first round was competitive and what Julio Rodriguez did to follow it, man, hitting 40 plus home runs in round one, man, he, he was definitely feeding off that home crowd. Shout out to his guy that was throwing the balls to him, man. Cause he was keeping it up just like he liked it every single time mm-hmm. he was firing them away. So, the stars put on the show, and round one definitely did not disappoint.
0: Yeah, no, and uh, and that's the thing with, with and I kind of mentioned it a little bit last week that a guy like Luis Robert and a guy like Adolis Garcia they have perfect swings for the, and obviously uh, Rosarena proved it that he had a perfect swing for it too. But the the like that swing of just having straight ropes to left works out in the home run derby because you know they got out quick, and you know you it's kind of like a short short and sweet type swing, and it worked out for them. You know, in the first round for sure, and and yeah, you you mentioned the pitching was actually a big part of the conversation in that home run derby because of the fact that you had guys like Alonso, guys like Adoles Garcia, who like you could argue like they got cheated, like they, like they like <laughs> respect to Aroz- arena and and and, uh, and Julio Rodriguez, but man, like uh, Alonso especially, like that dude was throwing down and away, like. And throwing like looking like he throwing was throwing sliders out there. Uh so that, that was rough. And 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 what we would yeah, what'd you think about that? And like some of the guys that some of the pitching that was out there that day. It's, it's not easy. Obviously, nothing's easy, but uh, I mean, look at the guy that that Julio Rodriguez had thrown in. I mean, that dude was throwing just as you said, it's just straight cookies down the middle where he likes it.
1: Well, it's not an easy thing to do. And I think we as fans sometimes have a bad habit of not being able to put things into full account of perspective. And when you're in an event like that where you have a two-minute clock and you got to keep pitching and pitching and pitching and you you can't stop, that's hard. Mm -hmm. And these guys only have a limited amount of time to practice for it. You know, most of these guys aren't submitting their name to participate in this event until, like, a week before or sometimes Mm -hmm. a week and a half before the Home Run Derby actually happens. And when you're taking BP, you know, with your teammates and whatnot, you're focusing largely on the game. Mm -hmm. In order to do an event like this, it requires not only game practice, but, like, practice it, like according to the rounds and how the situation is set up and go. So, mm-hmm. and, and it's only a limited amount of time that you have to do it. So I, I, I give a lot of kudos to those guys. Yeah. You know, Pete Alonzo's pitcher for, for the home run derby uh, his bad price. Like he wasn't the best, but then again, he's had the pleasure of winning twice in his career. Adoles Garcia, even though it's his first time, he still was able to come out there and put on a show for the fans. And that's what it's all about at the end of the day. But, Yeah, I mean, for those that want to criticize, man, I get it. You know, put yourself in that situation because when you gotta go nonstop two minutes straight, you know, if you ain't, that's a survival of the fittest. And then you even saw some of the batters getting tired. Mm -hmm. Like Adley, as much as he was putting on the show in round one, he was very tired towards the end. You know, because he had a he was putting his all into those swings. Vlad Guerrero Jr. same way in the final round. So it, it happens.
0: Yeah, you're right, and and I mean, also another thing too, that I think nobody really took it into account is that I think uh, P. Alonso could have had anybody thrown out there, and he wasn't going to get 41.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you know, what I mean? yeah. like I, I like... agree with you on that. Because <laughs> once Julio got that 41, I was I was with my friend watching the festivities. Uh-huh. And I was like, "You yeah, look, it's over." I know he's <laughs> yeah. a two time champ, but. <laughs> Like it's bad when you get forty one in round one because even if he put on a show where he got thirty or thirty five, it, it just wasn't gonna be enough.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and uh, and just looking at that matchup and yeah, guys, yeah I has definitely did a lot, a lot better for sure and and uh, than him than uh than like a lot of people expected with that type of pitching. But yeah, you're right, it is tough and it, and people don't take that into account. Uh, but another thing in the first round, I gotta you know, I gotta uh, take you know, I gotta have accountability on myself here. You know, last week I said. Mookie Betts was going to win it. And uh, I'm here to to uh, to say I was so wrong.
1: <laughs> it happens, man. Should... It happens. I mean, sometimes you want to go with the wild card, the, the, the guy that, you know, nobody really expects to to take home the trophy and the hardware. But, yeah, I mean, going up against Vlad, I, I, I had Vlad in round one. But I, I saw where you was going with it. You know, if it had worked out in your favor, you, you would have been looking like a genius. A, everybody, no... everybody get a turn, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, you're right, dude. But Mookie didn't even care. He was like, you know what I mean? Like, it just looked like he didn't care. I get that. Vlad like uh had a great round twenty six. I get it. But like, man, Mookie looked like it. Like, and rightfully so, I think he didn't want to be in it. His he was saying that he his wife kind of pushed him to do it. Fair enough, right? But it looked like he was just chilling. He didn't even take that. I mean, he's got great cardio, anyways. They were saying, but like, he looked like he didn't even he didn't want to take that time out. Didn't take it. And he just had 11 homers. And I was like, man, I expected way more out of Mookie. At least, at least get the 20. <laughs> but no, it didn't, it didn't work out. But you're right. I mean, it is what it is. I think uh, it, he was definitely underdog. And, and uh, I was just hoping he put a better on display. But it is what it, it, like somebody said, too he's like, he saves it for the big games. And that's, you know, some of those guys are like that. Right. Even, and cause a lot of people were like, Oh, just pull it, pull it. You got to pull the ball. And Mookie, like even said, you caught out of the mic. He was like, I can't do that. I can't (laughs) like, like on command, he can't do that. And I think it just goes to show like how hard, how hard the game of baseball is. We always have to remind ourselves because you know, a lot of these guys or a lot of people you watch on TV, you're like, Oh, this guy's pulling the ball. He means to do that. Some of these guys don't, they just hit the ball, wherever the ball goes. So, yeah, it, it just goes to show. But, yeah, I just had to say that because it was very disappointing. I was like, man, I even, like, uh, was telling my buddies, I'm like, watch how Mookie Bet's going to surprise some people. Mm-hmm. And it uh, didn't work out. But, anyways, uh, moving on to the second round, you know, obviously Luis Robert moved on with his uh, 28 bombs over Adley. And then uh, uh, Rosarena, who, like, surprised, I feel like surprised a lot of people, not only winning the first round, but winning the second round over Luis, Luis Robert. But what did you think about both performances? I think. You know, Rosarena had 35, so it was really tough for, for Luis Robert, but I think we saw how tired he was getting, I think, there. And, and another thing, too, on the negative side of this whole thing, of course, as we found out later on, he had calf stiffness. And and I'm not 100% sure if they said – I, I feel like I haven't really heard clearly, maybe you have, of, like, whether it was because of the home run derby or was it before the
1: home run derby? Well, they said it happened during the home run derby. Okay, okay, They okay. said he felt good enough to finish – and as a result of suffering a calf injury, as we know, he had to end mm-hmm. up missing the All Star game and 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 whatnot. But he was able to walk the red carpet, and then he issued out a text message. I believe that Lamont Pope of Chicago Sun Times, who covers the White Sox in Chicago baseball here in the city, said he said where he said like he was a hundred percent, he would be a hundred percent healthy and ready to go in time for the White Sox first game out of the All-Star break on Friday evening against Atlanta. So we, we'll see what happens. I mean, if he's in the lineup, you can assume he's good to go. If not, then he's maybe going to need, you know, a couple days to, to, to get back right or whatever, you know, we, we'll see. But that's how he, he suffered the injury. But getting back to your point on the, the battle and the showdown between the Reina and Luis Robert Jr., I mean, Randy Reina, man, he just like the big stage. And I never counted Randy Orozarena out because to me, the, the three or the two toughest matchups in round one coming in, I felt like was going to be a Reina and Garcia and Alonzo and Rodriguez. And with a Reina being able to get through Adoles Garcia, I just knew, you know, Luis Robert versus Randy Orozarena, like that could go either way. Like even though Luis escaped, Adley, I knew that could go either way. But when I saw him put the show that he put on in the semifinals, I was like, 35 is going to be a tough number to beat. Mm -hmm. I was hoping that he kept it, you know, around like 30 to 32 Mm -hmm. once he got up there. But when he he took advantage of that bonus time and elevated it up to 35, I was like, that's going to be tough. But I thought Luis put on a good show. I think that's when Luis Sierra started getting a little bit tired and he started leaving some pitches down. And maybe that's how the injury did occur, you know, when you're trying to strain and get low and and drive a ball up as opposed Mm -hmm. to keeping it, you know, chest high or whatever like that. But, yeah, I mean, Randy Orozarena is just doing what he do best, man. He just he just liked the big stage and he put on a grand show. And I believe he was the first Rays player to ever advance to the finals in the home run derby. So kudos to him on that.
0: Yeah, yeah, he is, and and uh, yeah, it was it was cool to see from from that, and I mean, I'm not, yeah, it's one of those things where I'm definitely, I think push comes to shove, I might have just picked the but like, I still feel like I was like, man, I got to give Randy a shot, and he just showed why, uh, because his line drive power is 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 crazy, especially for this event, as we mentioned with with uh, with Robert and 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 Garcia. But yeah, that, that was cool to see. And, and hopefully again, everything turns out well for Luis Robert, hopefully something too long, but that's just another thing, man, with, with this home run derby, why a lot of guys don't want to do it. And why a lot of guys wait till the very end if, if they're going to decide on whether they're going to do it, because it, it is, it is in a lot of ways, uh, it, it strains your body in so many different ways, like, and the, the, per, to, you know, to be prepared for the, you know, not only the aftermath and and so many things uh, go into it. So um, hopefully it doesn't scare guys from getting into it and i'm sure it ha- i'm sure it has but hopefully for next year um it doesn't um and the other side julio rodriguez uh lost to vladgar jr uh, it, it kind of just looked like julio kind of like ran out of like gas right i mean after that i mean which <laughs> fair right because we've seen uh what those first rounds do to guys right when it comes to like I mean, going, going as far back as like uh, Josh Hamilton, right, when he hit those 36, I believe, right, in the, in the first round, he was kind of mm-hmm. gassed. He didn't end up winning, um, or no ended up winning that home run derby. Uh, so um, it, it really, yeah, it really just looked like he ran out of gas there. And Vlad Guerrero Jr., rightfully so, made it to the final and uh, eventually uh, beat Rosarina in the final. But what were your thoughts on that on that round with Vladdy with and Julio?
1: I mean, you you, you you summed it up perfectly as mm-hmm. far as I'm concerned. I, I thought Julio got tired, and that was something that I was concerned about after he hit those 41 home runs in round one. You know, this is a battle of attrition. And anytime it's not like it used to be back in the day where you have 10 outs mm-hmm. and you could kind of, like, be selective of what pitches you want to hit. It's not like that anymore. So when you got, you know, these pitches coming at you rapid fire – man, like it, it take a lot to just keep swinging. Like you you can't let balls just pass because if you do, you're wasting time. And you only got one time out in between those two minutes. And then you're trying to get as, at least a minute worth of bonus time. And in order to get that, you got to hit two bombs of 440 feet or greater. So, mm. I mean, Julio put on a great show, but Vlad, I think, was able to take advantage of that. And as a result, he moved on to the final round.
0: Yeah, no, yeah. And, 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 you know, like I said, rightfully so, Vlad Guerrero Jr., I mean, he's the first now, as you know, as I said, he beat Randy Rosarena. He's the they're the first duo of, of you know, father and son, uh, of course, with his dad, Vladimir Guerrero. Uh, that's cool to see. Uh, you know, it was one of those things where you knew it was going to happen sometime with Vlad because he just yeah I mean, he's just a beast. um And so it was good to see. And, and you know, like I said, great event uh for the home and derby once again. I do want to one of the things I did see on social media a little bit where some of the conversations of like, you know, oh, like, you know, guys taking a little bit more time on their timeouts than others. And you know, maybe the pace is a little off now. It, it's one of those things where, you know, when something happens, like you know, the first few the first, you know, this has been going on for six seven or six years or whatever, this uh, this uh format. But when it first started, of course, everybody was like, you know, Frazier went off and everybody was like obsessed with this, this style. And I still like the, I still like the style to be honest, but there is, I saw plenty of people complaining about it and saying that maybe there's something that should be changed. Something they you know, whether it be, you know, adding some, you know, free swings, because obviously a lot of guys get gassed and we don't get to see like the same style of, of swings. We don't get to see like bombs, like consistently, like, um, you know, I feel like we only saw maybe, I think at least Roberts still hit the, was it he the one that hit the farthest one still? Or was it did yeah, Vlad break the flat break? He, definitely, yeah, he, right, he, he hit like
1: the He hit like the top five furthest home runs yeah. on the Derby period. Because he was yeah. hitting a lot of bombs, like I said, over 440 mm-hmm. feet or greater. Yeah. Like in the first round and in the second round. Yeah. So he, he really put on a majestic showing. And he hit 50 home runs, I believe, mm-hmm. total through mm-hmm. the, the first round and the semifinal round, which would make his total like the most ever in White Sox history in a home run derby, even though he didn't win. So in my eyes, Luis Robert Jr. put on an incredible performance and he was doing it with an effortless swing, mm-hmm. which I hope that the fans at home were able to appreciate. Because if you look at the way that Vlad Guerrero Jr. was putting his whole body in the swings and Pete Alonzo and Adley Rushman, to be able to do it as easy and fluidly as Luis Robert Jr. does it, man, everybody can't do that.
0: Yep. No, yeah, it was easy popping. I mean, we, we, as Chicagoans, we know, but you can tell a lot of people were, were surprised because they don't watch any Sox games or whatever. They're not familiar. It was cool to see Lee Stropper kind of, you know, get you know get on that big stage. But, uh, yeah, but ultimately, on like the, you know, with any changes, do you believe there should be any changes? If so, what kind of things could they add? Because a lot of, like I said, a lot of people were saying maybe get some, you know, get like, you know, if you get a certain amount of home runs or whatever, you get an extra three outs, but without the clock.
1: Well, you know, that that's a good question. So I haven't mm-hmm. really gotten a chance to think about that. Mm-hmm. I I like this new format. I like the fact that they don't have to worry about outs. Mm-hmm. Because you know back when we was coming up as kids, you only mm-hmm. had 10 outs. And you had to be very selective about what you swung at, and you'd be there all night sometimes. Yep. Because you know if if a if a guy wasn't getting the pitches where he wanted, he mm-hmm. would literally be talking to his his dude, you know, throwing the pitches like, hey man, like keep it up or whatever, like that. Yep. Whereas now it's it's more faster, but sometimes I feel like two minutes is just not enough. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe we need to give these guys like three or four minutes. Mm-hmm. And maybe if they hit like four home runs or more that go further than 440 feet, instead of giving them you know, a minute long bonus. Let's give him a two minute bonus mm-hmm. to work with. I, I think that just gives more suspense to the viewers at home and, and whatnot like that, because you can tell when guys are tiring out. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that clock can work in a guy's favor, whether he's up at the plate or whether he's waiting to get his browned in. Cause like when I looked at Allie Rushman towards the end, I was like, man, thank God he's getting tired. Mm-hmm. It's somebody that was rude for Luis Robert Jr. Because if he'd have had like an extra minute and a half, man, he could have kept going.
0: Yeah, no, you're, you're right. And I think, you know, it's one of those things, too, where I think we got also have to think about the formats. You don't want to go too – you don't want to get too close to what it used to be, right, because we're at a spot where it's like so nice, right, because I feel like a lot of people are talking about like, oh, like they should have an, like five swings or whatever or, you know – five no. or seven swings. And it's like, well, that's kind of like the old format. And also you, you kind of alluded to it a little bit, the fact that you could be there forever and you're right, because there was guys I remember back in the day who would literally take five or six pitches. And, you know, we it, it, like, that's a lot of time for not to, to not see a home run, especially like people on TV, people there, whatever. So yeah, it's, it's a fine line. I think it's, it's uh, you know, it's in a great spot, but y- yes, I'm sure there's always going to be changes. I'm sure in the future there will be changes to it. I don't know if it's imminent or whatever, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it it is interesting because, you know, everything after, you know, everything eventually starts not necessarily I wouldn't say, say dull, but a lot of things, you know, get a certain, to a certain point people start criticizing it. Um, it's just the way it is. So it's, it's interesting to me. Uh, but from the all-star game perspective, of course, on Tuesday, uh, the national league, as you said, national league finally came out on top for the first time since 2012, uh, with a 3-2 to two win, and it was a great game. It was a classic uh, all-star game where it was all about pitching and about that clutch hit, and, man, from from growing up, honestly, and seeing, uh, you know, the NL getting devastated by, say, a Michael Young eighth inning hit uh, in 06, uh, it was great to see a guy like Elias Diaz hit a two-run bomb late in the game. Uh, you know, but from from the Chicago perspective, of course, we didn't get to see Luis Robert, unfortunately, in the game. Uh, the only Chicago representative, of course, was Justin Steele. He was able to pitch a scoreless inning there, and that was cool to see as well. He he struck out Rooker as well on a nasty slider, so that was that was uh pretty awesome. But uh, what were your overall thoughts on the game? Like I said, it, it it was a great game, and I think it's just you know we've seen plenty of these close. You know where like you know goes down to the last pitch, and this one did. You know, and of course, it, it came down to Julio versus Kimbrel at one point, and and Julio walked. Which, to be honest, as as a fan, is in a game that doesn't matter. I thought was kind of lame. I thought he should have swung at that. That's just me. You know what I mean? I get he's trying to win, but I was like, man, if Julio would have just swung, even if he pops out, I wouldn't be mad because like it was still a great moment. At least he finished it. But I get it. He was you know trying to win the game at all costs. Uh, of course, Jose Jose Ramirez. Uh, struck out as the next uh, next batter. But what were your overall thoughts in the game, man, in general?
1: It was a well-played game. And if it's, mm-hmm. if you're a fan that likes pitching and you like good defense, this was your type of game. It just came down to a, a simple mistake. Felix Bautista left a splitter low and away, mm-hmm. and Elias Diaz pounced on it. And that was really the, the difference in the game is that hit alone. And I got to give credit to Luis Arise, though for putting them oh, yeah. in a the position because national league offense was kind of held relatively in check for the most mm-hmm. part, but Luis Ryan's going two for two early and yep. causing havoc on the base pass, man. He, he could have had a case for MVP if the national league, got that lead a little bit earlier, but Elias Diaz doing what he did. It's a hell of a story. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about a guy who's 32 years old. It's his first time in an all-star game and taking advantage of his opportunity seizing a moment for a Colorado Rockies organization that hasn't done too well on the field through the first half of the season, but nonetheless can now say that they have an all-star game MVP for the first time in franchise history. And it's amazing when you consider the fact that this was a guy who had been let go or waived by the Pittsburgh Mm -hmm. Pirates back in 2020 and for the majority of his career served as a backup catcher. So it just goes to show and serve as a testimony to the young baseball players watching at home that just because you know you may be down and out one day doesn't mean that you can't rise back up the next day and, and and do things on a big stage and be rewarded for it so kudos to him because it was a hell of a hit and he stayed ready for his moment and his opportunity when his number was called and now he delivered the senior circuit they first you know all-star victory in almost 12 years which is which is quite remarkable when you think about it
0: yeah, and, 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 you know, going back to Elias Diaz and what you said, you know, about him getting released. They asked him about that in the postgame, uh, a presser, and, and yeah, he said it was more of a motivation. It motivated him more. Of, of course, it's easy, I'm sure, to get down when you get released in the big leagues, right? But um, he said it was more of a motivation, and it was cool to see how much he lit up when somebody told him that he's just the second uh, uh, Venezolano to get that uh, MVP in the All-Star game. It's just him and Dave Concepcion, so that's pretty mm. badass. Uh, it's a pretty badass Absolutely. company to be in. That's a so, um, yeah, it's a great story. And and I think the funniest part of the whole thing was the fact that, um, I don't know if you noticed, but at the very end, when like you know, it was Kimbrel versus Julio Rodriguez, they kept panning to Elias Diaz, and you yeah, could see he was nervous. Yeah, yeah, I, I
1: felt I felt for him, but as much as I wanted to see the American <laughs> League win, I'm, I would have been the same way. Anytime yeah. you got a chance to win the MVP, <laughs> you want to see that because I remember when I was nine years old. And I saw Paul Canerco go two for two in the 2002 Mm. All-Star game and have a big hit that gave the American League a one-run lead that game that ended tied and was the reason why a lot of these All-Star games from 2003 to 2016 counted for home field advantage. I was like, damn, like Paul Canerco could have really been the first All-Star game MVP in White Sox history because the game ended in a tie because they used their benches up to to wit's end. We, we never know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, you're right. And, and I think, uh, like, it, uh, that actually made me think now, like, w- w- what's the closest to Cubs? I mean, probably, probably, I mean, Marlon Bird had a great, great catch in 2012. Or, no, he, I think he might have thrown somebody out to end the game or catch it. or I don't know. Maybe that been, might have been the closest as well. Yeah, that was in Anaheim. But also uh, uh Chris Bryant hitting a home run off, off Chris Sale. I remember uh, that in 2016, <laughs> I remember uh, it. that, that, may, that may have been the closest that they've gotten, even though they get, I think that, I think probably yeah, oh yeah, yeah, and lost that one. So that's probably why they didn't get it. But, um, yeah, no, yeah, that that's awesome. And I think anytime your team is, uh, um, you know, it ha- has a guy in the all-star game in general, like, you know, buying for an MVP, that's awesome. But yeah, I can imagine that feeling, right. It's like, you're so close to that and, you know, and you never know how many times you're going to get back there. Right. For any guys, it's the first time. Right
1: especially and so that, in his case.
0: Yeah, especially his case, his age, like yeah, that's that's awesome and uh and you know look at to be honest man, not really f- too familiar with Elias Diaz before the game before look cuz we haven't faced I don't think the Cubs have faced the Rockies. I haven't really seen too many Rockies games this year. Um but you know see he's got 10, 10 bombs. The guy's got pop. So, you know, definitely showed up there and that was it's a great story man. But um another thing too with the All-Star game, kind of like the home run Derby, kind of want to get your thoughts on this. Now, some people have been saying about the idea that maybe hey, you know, uh, change the change it to USA versus the world, or having you know some some kind of thing like that. To be honest, for me, I'm cool with the format. I just want them to go back to the normal uniforms, uh, their team uniforms. But that's just that's whatever. But what are your thoughts on that? And do you think that'd be a good idea?
1: I'm with you on this one, Saul. Mm-hmm. I'm with you all the way on this one. I, I I prefer it being the American League versus the National League, and I would like to see them return back to the regular team uniforms as well, especially in today's times where you're trying to appeal to young fans, many of which may not even know these players or Mm -hmm. may be watching these players for the very first time on the All-Star stage every summer at the Midsummer Classic in July. So, yeah, I I have no issue with it. I understand having a Team USA versus World format, but in in my eyes, I, I like it as is. Now, if you want to get creative and do it like the NBA does it, where you have the top two leading vote getters in the respective leagues draft, I think that would be great if you Mm -hmm. want to do that. But I I, I like it. I like it the way it is. It's something special still about being able to represent your league and being able to team up with the guys in your league at least once a year.
0: Yeah, that's true. That, that I completely agree, and I know, I know. Down the line, I'm sure, it could be just like the pitch clock, just like everything else, I'm sure they'll do something with it. And the thing, the thing, what I was thinking too, is because people were saying that, oh, the you know, we saw with the World Baseball Classic how cool it would be, you know, with the, to have the nationality, this, this, and that. Uh, but then also, kind of makes me think that that's probably what makes it so special that it's not, it's not every year, that it's not, you know, kind of like the with kind of the way I say with the World Cup, because you know, the, the FIFA has considered um you know doing the world cup every two years and mm-hmm. i'm like not, not to say it would i would still watch it i would still be a fan but for the casual fan it might take a little bit away from it and kind of the same thing i have to think of when it comes to the all-star game of putting that world versus usa as cool as it would be for sure um it might be a little different because you know it's it's you have, have it be every few years is, is what makes it special so um, in general, but yeah, no, it was cool to see the NL get the win there. Um, and, and of course, you know, like I said, uh, cool to see a Chicago guy, you know, get, you know, get a nice, uh, uh clean inning and, you know, wish could have seen more, uh, of course as Swanson and, and Stroman didn't play. Um, but you know, it didn't work out there, but on the, on other, with other guys that played in it, that was, that was cool to see have some success. Of course, Brent Rooker, uh, had a double, um, they late laying the game. Uh, and it was cool to see, of course, Adolis Garcia and Randy Rosarena, who, of course, are like best friends. Man. They made some great catches to start the game. Yes, they uh, did. And, yeah, and it was funny. It was fun to see uh, uh, Freddie Freeman, of course, you know, who got robbed by Rosarina, who was like, man, you can't get hits and steal them too. So yeah, that, I, that, that, I that, heard that, a mic there. Yeah. <laughs> so that was funny. That was funny. And, uh, and yeah, it's just all fun. And, and you love to see that. I mean, you also had uh, – a I saw Orlando Garcia, uh, like, talking smack to Rosarena when he slid into second base and they got him out um so yeah it, it was it was also the the first um the first all-star game with multiple caught steal- stealing since 2008 um i saw that and uh oh, that's wow yeah that that was that was a cool fact because you would think more guys would try to steal right in, in the all-star game just because you know the game doesn't matter stuff like that and, and you know trying to pull it off but man also don't run on Sean murphy you know what I mean? Also, another thing too. <laughs> you know, and so all these guys are just—I mean, all the All Star guys, but just particularly Sean Murphy got a can it, So, um, but yeah, no, uh, just another year, another great All Star game, and uh, like you know, hopefully, hopefully, as they said, you know, they said in the news that you know maybe they're considering Chicago, considering Wrigley for 2025. Hopefully, that comes to fruition. Um, and uh, moving on to kind of one of the things, some of the things that they were talking about during the All Star break, during the All Star game, during the All Star festivities was Otani talk, man. Of course, everyone's, you know, everyone was asking uh, Otani, you know, where he's going to go, where he thinks he's going to go, all this stuff. And he was pretty, he played pretty coy anyways on it and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, playing it smart, of course. Um, but I thought it was just the the the, the Otani questions that other players get, I thought are hilarious. Like Mookie Betts was getting interviewed and, and during his presser. They asked them, they were like, have you talked to Otani? And he's like, no, I haven't had time. Plus, got a lot of press around him. And then the, 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 I think she was a Japanese reporter, but she was like, are, are you going to try to talk to him? This <laughs> is like, like these, these questions are just, it's just funny to me. Cause it's like, like all the like centered questions. is just, it's just funny, but rightfully so. I mean, he's the best player in baseball, but uh, from the recent talks, of course, it, 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 obviously we've said it before. It doesn't look like the angels want to trade him. And I mean, um, Artie Moreno has said as well that he kind of he's kind of alluded to the fact that he doesn't want to trade him. Uh, he doesn't want to be the guy to do that. But what have you made from these uh, these rumors that have come out as well that, you know, I believe it was um uh John Heyman, I think that might have said or Buster only, that the Yankees might be a spot that he has heard that if he does get traded, he would he would go there. Or even like a Rangers or even a Rays, actually, he mentioned as well. Uh, but what do you make about those rumors and stuff like that that if Otani would go in? Do you think ultimately, as we stand right here on July 13th, that he's gonna stay put?
1: Well, you know, to to address the 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 state of the media wanting to ask Otani questions mm-hmm. throughout the all-star festivities, that that's a tradition unlike any other. You know, anytime you a free agent mm-hmm. and you a, a hot shot big time player in the manner in which Shohei Otani is, you're gonna get a lot of those. We know that firsthand just based off what happened a year ago out in Los Angeles when Juan Soto was a member of the Washington Mm -hmm. Nationals. And people were like, well, hey, why aren't you signing the contract extension to become one of the highest paid players with the Nationals? And you had Scott Boris basically step in front of Juan Soto and say, look, we're not talking about that at this time. Mm -hmm. There's a reason for what's happening. Just stay tuned. In Shohei's case, he didn't have that, but – those those questions are going to happen. I mean, you know those questions happened in 2021 when Chris Bryant was representing the Chicago Cubs for the last time in the All-Star game, and he had to deal with it from Joe Buck in the middle of the game while he was playing. So mm-hmm. that that always happens. Now, in regards to Shohei Ohtani getting dealt, I don't see the Angels wanting to move him. Mm-hmm. I don't. But you're seven games back in the American League West division, where you got a two-team race brewing between the Rangers and the Astros. The Mariners don't appear to be going anywhere. I believe the Angels are also like several games back in the wild card standings. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Mike Trout is out indefinitely with a handmade bone issue, you know, having to get surgery on that. Anthony Rendon is out. Your farm system is depleted. I understand that you try to make this run in an effort to get to the playoffs for the first time with Mike Trout and Shohei Ohtani through the four and a half years they've been together or whatever. If you were not able to do it then, I don't think you're going to be able to do it now. And when you have a depleted farm system in the fashion in which the Angels have, you're going to have to make a move. And you could get a ton back for Shohei Ohtani. I know it's hard. I wouldn't want to trade Shohei Ohtani either. But they, they, they came. They, they are currently in the All Star break right now, getting set to go into the second half of the season. But yet they've lost nine out of their last ten games. I, I, if if it's me, you gotta trade them. Do I see Tampa Bay? getting Shohei Ohtani, I mean, they could, they have the prospects to offer, but I think that's an enormous gamble that's just too hard for a team like the Rays to take, especially when you know you're only getting them to rent them. Mm -hmm. Because what are the odds of the Tampa Bay Rays trying to pay Shohei Ohtani top dollar to stay there? So unless if you have like a concrete guarantee that you're going to, from the ownership group, if you're the front office of the Rays, that you're going to be able to resign this man, that makes no sense. Rangers, I could see the Rangers maybe won them. I could see the Yankees definitely won them in the wake of the Aaron Judge injury and so forth with the way that offense has been. But one team we can't count out is the Los Angeles Dodgers. This team did not make too many moves in the offseason. And I think it was for a reason. They have the prospect capital to do it. That's the team that, would make the most ideal sense to trade him too because what why would you want to trade him to a team in the American League, let alone a team in your division, the Texas Rangers, mm-hmm. where you could trade him to the LA Dodgers. And he don't even have to move that far to go play at Chavez Ravine. I'm just saying.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. You made some good points. And I think with the Rays, I think if they were to get him, I think it would really just be just the kind of Get their first World Series, you know, oh, whatever, right? Go that's ahead. really just I think that's just, and I think, and and you can make an argument, right? I mean, I mean maybe not even my argument; it just be the truth that that it'll be worth it, right? No matter what they give up, if they get that World Series, boom, he he leaves. At least he got, you know, they got the World Series, and that's it, right? Could you? I mean, right? I think so, right?
1: It's it's a gamble, but you know, like we always mm-hmm. say, so man, it ain't no guarantees. It, no, it, yeah, it, yeah. It, but you're right though. Scare money; uh-huh. it doesn't make any money. Yeah. Yeah, and it would it would be an all-in move. We putting all yeah. our chips in on the table to get Shohei Otani. But man, like if I'm a Tampa Bay Rays fan, you 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 really raising the stakes making a move like that because mm-hmm. the Rays got a way of doing things. And in the Rays way, for the most part, has led to success. It just hasn't culminated in a World Series championship. But if they if they did do that move, that would be a big move, and and I know it would be a lot of mad fans in New York, in mm-hmm. Boston, and in Baltimore and Toronto that have to worry about a Shohei Ohtani on in Tampa Bay with Randy Ortona Reyna and Yandy mm-hmm. Diaz and them boys.
0: Yeah, no, I just think it, uh, Yeah, you're right. I think it'd be, it'd be. I think it would just be cool because we'll never see a team like the Rays sign Ohtani, right? So I think it'd be cool just to have a little blip. Of like two months of Otani with like the Rays, that like 20 years from now, people are gonna be like, he played for the Rays. And you know what I'm saying? It's gonna be it kind of I get what
1: you're saying. Cause you know that would <laughs> yeah. be like that would yeah. be like when we was kids coming up. I never forget Randy Johnson Yeah. got traded from Seattle mm-hmm. to Houston for mm-hmm. a brief moment. Yeah. And I had forgot about that to the pandemic when somebody was posting Randy Johnson Astro's highlights. I was like, mm-hmm. Wow, I, saw, I forgot he did play with the sure Astros, way with the uh, Arizona.
0: <laughs> yeah, and even then, I feel like people don't think about the fact that he was on the Devil race, right? Like, I feel like people don't talk about that enough mm-hmm. either. And he won a Cy Young, I believe, there. So, like, I think uh, you know, it was cool. It's cool to see that that type of stuff happen. I think you know, if he, if that does happen, but you are right, and the, you can't forget the Dodgers, and and I mean, the Dodgers are already making noise on some other on some other talks, of course. But another thing I do want to talk about. Is the fact that the Cardinals have, been, you know, their GM has basically said it. They're selling. I think that, you know, he even, it was he was quoted on saying, we're going to trade some people. And he didn't say, obviously, he's not going to say who, but uh, overall, who do you think would be on the move? A lot of people are saying that Renato is going to be in the move, Goldschmidt. But I'm like, man, I don't know. Some of these deals they got, I don't know who would take that type of money. And I, and I don't know if that'd even be smart to begin with. But they're just they're looking like they're, they're it sounds like anybody's available with them. And I think a guy like Arenado is primed to be on the move somewhere. He just seems like the most likely of the big pieces. Um, but if not, I think a guy like Flaherty easily movable, a guy maybe even like Hicks is movable. But in your opinion, who would you see from the Cardinals uh, you know, getting traded uh this upcoming deadline?
1: Well, you name public target number one, and that's Jack Flaherty you know, with the resurgence that he's had this season in St. Louis, we know that this is a seller's market and that pitching, if you make it available to these teams, you can get a premium deal. And Jack Flaherty is one of those guys that I definitely see being on the move. Another guy that I could see being on the move is a Nolan Gorman. Mm -hmm. We talk about how some teams out there, such as the Houston Astros would have injured, Jordan Alvarez, who's set to undergo his rehab assignment within the coming days, they need a left-handed bat with some pop. Nolan Gorman can provide that for you. A guy like Tommy Etman, I could see being available to teams that are in need of a second baseman or a guy that could just be thrown around anywhere in the infield. He's another player that I could see being available as, as well as Jordan Hicks. To me, those are the top four guys. I don't see them trading goldsmith i don't see them trading arenado but i do see those guys being moved and i'm glad to see that st louis has finally come to their senses because this is a franchise that we don't typically see in this situation but the reason why i think they're in this situation is kind of similar to the reason why you're finding a team in our city that we're gonna get into in a bit in a similar scenario and that's because they didn't spend the money that was necessary in order to acquire star talent to fill the voids and positions that they needed to, where they had dire weaknesses. At
0: yeah, no, I, I think you know, talking about some of the guys that are available. You know, the uh, there was a reporter uh, I'm blanking on his name, but I saw on a podcast and they were talking about how Lars Nubar is, you know, the guy that a lot of people have hit up the Cardinals for. Not, not necessarily saying that he is available. But that's a lot of guys that they a lot one of the guys that people have been contacting them about. Um, but yeah, you're right. I think it's one of those things where they know they have an elite offense, but their pitching is the problem, right? And they know that they have to make a move because they know that they're a historic franchise with rich history of winning. And uh, for them, you know, like I mean, they haven't had a World Series in twelve years. You know, not not calling them the Yankees whatsoever, but they, I mean, they obviously have you know ten or ten plus championships. So. You know they know how to win, so um, yeah, it's it's gonna be you know a fascinating uh story to follow uh, because there's been I don't obviously I don't think this is possible, uh, but there have even been some fans I've seen on social media talk about how oh like Arenado would be a great fit in Cubby Blue, and I'm like, you really think the Cardinals are gonna trade Arenado to the Cubs to help their d- in division? I I don't see that. So um, yeah, I don't know. It, it it's one of those things where you know upcoming deadline. You know, there's a lot of guys that you know the Cubs could get, and 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 I don't think Aaron Nolas is one of them. I don't even think offense is the problem, but we'll we'll kind of talk about more that you know get in there. But uh, you want to add something else?
1: Yeah, like you know, and, and, and you got to think about this too, man. This NL mm-hmm. Central, like Cincinnati, coming, and they're gonna be around. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And sometimes when you an organization like the Cardinals, who's been so successful for 20 years doing it the way that you pride yourself on doing it and that's scouting well, that's drafting well, and mm-hmm. that's developing well. Sometimes you get cocky, mm-hmm. and you feel like you could just continue to find success doing it your way. That's not the case anymore. And then when you consider the prospects that they once had in their organization, who we all saw on center stage this week at All-Star, such as Randy Rosarena, Adolis Garcia, Zach gallen who was, a, I believe, a second-round draft pick of mm-hmm. St. Louis, who started on behalf of the Arizona Diamondbacks, representing the National League. Like, man, you, you, you got to get something back. You have to get something back. But they they do have some talent. I, I think the guys that are untouchable, though, for sure, are Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldsmith, and Jordan Walker. Mm-hmm. To me, those are the, are the guys that, no matter what, they're safe.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think, I think you could even, I'm not, I'm not saying that uh, they wouldn't, but I think a guy you could easily add to that list is Ryan Helsing. Uh I think the fact that I don't know if That's they necessarily right, want to trade him, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But uh, w- one thing, uh, one other thing too, I wanted to move before we move on, uh, they had, there has been word, there's been some rumors as well that the Dodgers are interested in Lucas Giolito, and which would be honestly a great fit because he, of course, he of course is from California. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he grew up room for the Dodgers. I I've seen podcasts where he talks about you know how he'd love to play, uh, love to pitch at a Dodger Stadium. hasn't gotten the chance to do yet. Has has not had a chance to do it yet. So him to do it in Dodger Blue to go crazy. But of course, this is something that's close to you as a White Sox fan. What do you, what are your thoughts overall on the Dodgers' interest? Um, as of course you've been very adamant at the fact that the Sox have a chance in this week division. Right. So maybe maybe selling isn't the right move. But in your opinion, if they did decide to move Giolito, what type of package would you expect from a guy like that? I think I might have actually saw one of your tweets uh, talking about how, you know, maybe even um, oh, with the or that was with the Orioles. I think actually yep. you were tweeting about mm-hmm. the Orioles. Right. But for the Dodgers in particular, I think I actually have uh, some of my friends that are uh, Sox fans as well have talked about how maybe they could package him with the Tim Anderson and get a little more, something like that in particular. But what are your thoughts on the overall situation there?
1: Well, you know, it's going to be unfortunate, but you got to understand, you know, that this is a business. I still think that it's a chance because you you have to. Anytime you mm-hmm. less than 10 games back, you never know. But when I look at the situation with Lucas Giolito and I look at the state of this team right now, I understand why the White Sox would want to move him. I totally get it. And moving him to the Dodgers would not be the worst place in the world to move him to. And I tell you why, because they have over several prospects that are ranked in the top 100 according to MLB's pipeline. Mm -hmm. And when you have a team who has needs that they need to fill in positions that are key to the defensive element of the ball club, such as catching. Dodgers can supply you with that. It's a guy in their farm system by the name of Dalton Russian, who I'm pretty sure a lot of White Sox fans have had their eyes on. He's a guy that's estimated to make his debut in the show come 2025, 22 years old, left-handed bat, provides a lot of power. That's something that this ball club needs. And they need a, a catcher with a strong defensive presence. And I believe Russian could be a guy that provides that. I think he would be the, the main headline of any deal that you seek to do with the Los Angeles Dodgers involving Lucas Giolito. I would not try, on the other hand, no, to package Lucas Giolito with Tim Anderson. And I'll tell you why. Tim Anderson, as many people know, is very underpaid among the top shortstops in the game. And even though He's had a lackluster season, a season that's arguably been the worst year of his career. Why would you trade him at a time where his is at the absolute lowest when you have a team option that you can use in the offseason for $14 million and allow him to build his value back up? I understand that you have Colson Montgomery who, as of the moment, is the top prospect in the White Sox organization that you expect to supplant him in shortstop within the next couple of years. You just drafted Jacob Gon- Gonzalez out of Ole Miss 15th overall. Let Tim Anderson build his value back up and then seek to assess the situation based on where the state of your team is come this time next year in 2024. You know, and maybe, just maybe if he bounces back enough to where he is back to all-star form. You could get way more form if you want to trade him in, or you can seek to sign him to an extension and have discussions with him about possibly moving to second base. If you still value his back well enough to be a part of your lineup for at least the next five years.
0: Yeah, no, you're, that's a good point. I mean, I think uh, anything, you know, that would help the White Sox future is something that they should consider for sure. I think, the only I think the only reason why somebody would want to do that, I think that that reason of him having his value be so low is probably the only reason you'd want to package him up with somebody else because of the fact that his value is low and that uh, he's having a bad year. Uh, but no. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from, because uh, I think that, you know, it's I don't think that Tim Anderson is this player. I mean, he's 30 years old. He's having a bad year. And we've seen plenty of guys in the last hell, the last three years have terrible years, then come back. And you know, have great years. So I don't see why a guy like Tim Anderson, who hits the ball hard, is gonna come back next year and have a terrible year just like this year, or even worse. I think this I think next year um he'll he'll come back and be stronger than ever. So I, yeah, I don't see why not the sox wouldn't do that. Um, It just looks like you know maybe you know they might uh, want to be off with any player or they want to get rid of certain players because of their age or something like that. But you have something else to add.
1: Yeah, man. Like, you know, plus I I understand the talk about the LA Dodgers because they can also give up pitching that they have down in their farm system Mm -hmm. that could be enticing to a White Sox ball club that's in dire need of depth in the pitching department, such as a guy like Ryan Pepio or a guy like Gavin Stone. Because you're going to get, you want to get at least two solid prospects from the Dodgers organization in exchange for Lucas Giolito. If you could get three, that's even better. But I would assume that they would want to get Dalton Russian. And the reason why Dalton Russian would be the, the centerpiece is, like I said, Sox need catching, and then he's blocked. Because if you look at the Dodgers organization right now, they have Will Smith, who is a hell of a catcher and has provided them with an incredible bat thus far throughout his time in L.A. in the mix. He's he's block by those by guys like that so and then you their their top prospect is Diego Cartea, mm-hmm. who's also a catcher. So when you consider all of that like at some point they're gonna have to trade somebody for an arm mm-hmm. and the Dodgers would make sense. but one team we cannot count out is the Baltimore Orioles man. yep we can't count them out. This is a team that me and you have talked about off the record many times has a lot of prospects that have been making their major league debuts. All these guys are not going to be able to stick in the show with Baltimore. Somebody got to get dealt. Mm-hmm. Why not be able to find a, a package with Baltimore where you could get a Heston Jerstad and maybe a Grayson Rodriguez for Lucas Giolito? We'll see.
0: Yeah, no, that would be that would be a hell of a return for Giolito. I'm sure that'd be – White Sox fans would love to see that. So, um, you know, they're, yeah, they're pretty – I've seen uh, plenty of things about the you know the Dodge how interested the Dodgers are, so we'll see where it goes because it might be a battle between multiple teams. Because realistically, you look at some of the guys that are available, ca- not counting uh, Shohei right as as the pitcher, uh, because obviously he'd be the best pitcher available at the deadline. But no, Giolito might be the best available pitcher when it when it's all said and done in, at the trade deadline. Well, we'll see uh, for sure. Um, on the other side, you know, oh, just a couple of thoughts on the Cubs. I think ultimately they the way they're playing right now 42 and 47 i don't necessarily uh think that they could say they're buyers or sellers right now as of right now um but they could easily go out there you know win you know five of the next six games and then officially count themselves as winners but it's going to be it's going to be dicey and it's going to come down to the wire because we've said it before Ricketts is down to buy uh but jed hoyer looks like he's not ready to say they are ready to buy. So I don't know. They're kind of confusing, honestly, of what they want to do, but hopefully everything goes well because they're a team that realistically, and we've, like I said, we've said it before with this team is that they're really only a few pieces from being like, a, you know, from being up there with, an, you know, the NL and winning that division, right. In the sense of, you know, they have the pitching, especially going to postseason series, they get, you know, with Hendricks, Stroman and Steele, and then, you you know, you have a lineup that, you know, with Swanson, Morrell, you know, and, you know, Ballinger, of course, that's it, it, another guy people that keep talking about that they could easily get back in this thing. And they could easily make some noise if they fill those holes of a bullpen guys, of, of multiple bullpen guys. People have been saying people have been saying maybe a Matt Chapman. But even then, it's like, I don't see that because for multiple reasons, I don't see the Blue Jays dealing him. I don't see the Cubs giving up a lot for Chapman unless they want to re-sign him for sure, which again, I don't, that's also, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, so ultimately, I think they're just going to add some bullpen guys, some some low-key bullpen guys, because that's a very, very Cubs thing to do. Um, and I'd be okay with that, you know, because ultimately that's their main problem. Their their, their offense has, has shown, you know, great signs of life, um, especially when Bellinger's in there. And I understand that a lot of people still think that Stroman's going to get dealt. I don't see that. Um, I see, I, I, I see, I see like the, a lot of people see that more likely than, than Shohei getting dealt. I don't know. I think ultimately Shohei stays and I think Strowman stays just because I think those guys want to sign that they, they want to sign those guys, not not to say the angels are going to do that. I don't think the angels are going to sign Shohei, but I think a guy like Strowman wants to be here so bad that they're going to see that and they're going to be willing to work with him, especially in the off season uh, because I think he's going to hit free agency most likely. Um, but we'll see what happens. I mean, this is this is you know a tale of two cities that there's excuse me, a, a city of two with two teams that are kind of in the mix and you know kind of have one foot out, one foot in. So it's going to be really, really uh, um, crazy to see how this straight deadline you know unfolds here in Chicago. So, uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about was you know, was there a team? Is there a particular team? And, and, and I'll go first, but there if is there a team for you that. You think will either falter in the second half or will take off, you know, and people don't people don't expect it. For example, for me, I think a lot, a lot, of, a lot of things or a lot of uh, um, a lot of people have been talking about the Rangers so highly, but they haven't, you know, looked at their latest stretch of ball games that they haven't played really well. And they're, you know, they're two games ahead of the Astros, but they also have a lot of holes. I know they they got Chapman. But they still need a little more pitching, whether it be, you know, a starting rotation arm or a bullpen arm. Uh, and, and, and I don't understand. I, I don't I don't necessarily think also that their offense, you know, being plus one hundred and forty eight run differential will last for a whole year. Uh, they have some great pieces there off. Obviously, they had six starters in the all star game. But to last in, in that, you know, in, in a division that's very competitive. I mean, look, say what you want, but the Mariners are still a competitive team. The Angels are still a competitive team, regardless of whether they deal him or not. I mean, you got Trout when he comes back, whatever. But Oakland as well—they're bringing up young guns. They brought up two of their top ten prospects. I think, believe two, two of their top five prospects are coming up this week, so they're going to be competitive for, to end the season as well. So it's not going to be e- easy division, let alone in the AL in general. So I don't think it's going to be easy ro- easy road whatsoever. And when it comes to that wild card race in the AL, because you brought it up a little bit with with Angels, they're five games back. But you look at that race, and you could even you can make an argument that, that 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 the three teams that are um, at the top are probably going to be the three teams that end the season there, and that's Baltimore, Toronto, and Houston, and the Yankees and the the Red Sox, and the Mariners sit outside of that. But those are three teams that you know I could easily see in the playoffs. You know they have the the right talent, especially with the Orioles, right, who still have a shot at winning the div- division, of course. Uh, but I don't see the Blue Jays winning that. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what it comes to there. I don't. I'm not rooting for the Rangers to to falter there, but. It's. I think it's one of those things where it easily could happen. I think another team that, uh, again, could falter if they don't make any moves, which I think they are going to make moves, I think would be the Reds. I think if they don't make any moves, that young talent might, you know, might falter a little bit because they haven't played a full season in the big leagues, like a guy like McLean or or, or, or whatnot. But Elie De La Cruz, is, of course, is a great Great to see. But we'll see. And I think you you mentioned on the show before that that end, this uh, at the end of the month when they play the Cubs, is going to say a lot about this division. I think if the Reds go in there, go into Wrigley, sweep the Cubs or went through even through even three out of four I mean that could be that could be the the nail in the coffin for the Cubs you can make a good argument there but we'll see where things go from there but those are a couple of teams that I think have to make some a couple more moves at the deadline to kind of solidify solidify their spot in this postseason picture what about you
1: you know you made a great point on Cincinnati and that's a team that I think could easily be in the Lucas Giolito sweepstakes because I pay attention mm-hmm. to farm systems, and yeah. the Reds have a very loaded farm system. For everybody mm-hmm. that's come up, they got some guys like Noel V. Marte, and and a few other guys like Encarnacion Strand that they coming, and they gonna they gonna be they gonna be real solid force to be reckoned with the next several years. But they do need to make a move in acquiring veteran pitching could be very helpful to them in their chase to obtain the NL Central. Championship, but teams that I could see faltering. I, I got to say, it. I, I'm, I'm kind of concerned about Tampa Bay a little bit. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay went into this all-star break in a rough funk. They had lost about seven in a row. And they lost seven out of their last 10 games. And when you got a Baltimore Orioles squad that – has not gotten swept in any series this season, only two games back, in spite of getting off to a red hot start the way that Tampa Bay did, I feel like Baltimore is coming. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is Baltimore's division to lose, and that's the team I can see rising up. The Rays, I believe, they're going to be there no matter what, but they may not be there in the manner in which we thought. And as a result, they might be one of those teams that have to rely upon a wild card berth in order to get into the dance in the postseason season come October. Uh, an, uh, another team that I could see probably faltering, you bring up Texas. Yeah, I, I could see that as well, man. Cause that AL West is tough and Seattle looks like a team that is going to make this race exciting. I don't know if they find a way to get one of those three wild card spots, but if they, can play solid ball and continue to build off the momentum that they built prior to going into the all-star break, winning seven out of their last 10, they could get real hot fast and make this AL West a three-team race. But I, I see Houston picking up. I see Baltimore picking up. Teams that I see faltering in the American League, I would probably say the Rangers, the Rays, and the Twins in that order. In the National League, a team like Philly, You can't count them out, especially after what they did last year. They seem like they're clicking at the right time, even though they're 12 games back in the NL East. Got a lot of people saying that the Mets will make a run. If it's any team I could see making that run in the East, it would be Philadelphia, especially Mm -hmm. against a Miami Marlins team. It's exciting and it's fun to watch as they are with a young nucleus and and an ace, a future ace in Yuri Perez besides Sandy Alcantara unless they make a move or two, I don't know how they stay within the thick of that race. I, I look at the Central, yeah, the Reds, that's a team that could falter. In the West, man, I think we got a good three-team race of with the Dodgers, the D-backs, and the Giants. And that's going to be a bloodbath to the final week of the, of the regular season. I don't know which team falters in the West, but I think Arizona is here to stay. And I think they just get started, too. And baseball right now is in a good place. You got to infuse young squads that are making some noise in both leagues that are not afraid to show and prove to some of these veteran laden ball clubs,
0: yeah, I know you're right. I think you made a good point when it comes to the West. I think the same thing about like the with the East with the Rays, you know, as you mentioned them as well, that those divisions are just so stacked that, you could easily see a team fall out of it because of the comp- competition in their divisions. Yeah. And with the West in particular, I mean, you got four teams that could make the playoffs right there with the Padres, the, the Giants, the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers. The the they're, the uh, Padres are down now, but I don't expect them to stay down. I think that if they do see themselves as a seller and they do trade off like a Soto, that's one thing, but that's, I don't know. It's it's it, They have a, a great team. I think that that they just kind of you know we look at their run differential right now they have the second best run differential in that division I think that says something um especially of their offense there so um you know we'll see what's going to happen I think the Rays for sure um you know are going to get some you know a lot of pressure from from the Orioles might be the only one I don't really see the Blue Jays necessarily competing for that division but who knows if you know if they make a move or something like that um as you said that you know they could easily be in there uh but yeah with the West I think we'll be uh, a little bit more of uh, a closer watch just because of the fact that the Giants surprising a lot of people, man. I think that, you know, that a couple of years ago, a lot of people were like, Oh, it's a cute story, whatever, but now it's serious. And uh, you know, they, they, they have a lot of the guys from that same run and they're doing it again and they're putting together a good season. I mean, the same with, you know, the Marlins, I think might continue to go up uh, just because, you know, their pitching is, is so good. They're, they're, you know, Lisa, Lisa Rice as you said in the all-star game, uh, he's an automatic hit every night. Ah, uh, so yeah, it's gonna be. It is a fun time in baseball, and these races are gonna come down to the wire. And I think it's the best part, and especially, um, even some of these central races because the Brewers that they're interested in making a move, they could easily make a move and get better. I mean, Yelich is playing a lot better. Uh, it's a team I think that you know gets lost in the rubble there because you know a lot of people talking about the 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 Reds and how good they're playing with Ellie. Will the Cubs sell or buy? And nobody talks about the Brewers, but they're definitely gonna be buyers. They're gonna buy something. For sure, and uh, th- because they know that they could win this division, um. But I think that's a good place to wrap things up for this edition of the At Bad Podcast. Uh, we talked all things All Star Game, All Star Facilities, as well as some trade deadline coming up because the deadline will be here sooner rather than later. Um. But yeah, you know, check out all the stuff that we have for War Media. You know, of course, Gabe Wilkins on on open run, um, as well as all our our uh, our articles on Substack. Of course, Anthony Pisana. Uh, released his review on on Dead Reckoning, the in, uh, latest imp- Mission Impossible movie. And, of course, we have a new show that covers a combat sports, you know, WWE, uh, MMA, all that type of stuff um, with Slam Society with, with uh, Will Resendez and Josh Wright. So check that out, of course. And, of course, you know, um, uh, Miles Porter couldn't be with us this week, so we'll have him on, on again next week. I uh, Hope you enjoyed this latest edition of the At-Bad Podcast. For Salvador Rodriguez, Gabe Wilkins. Everyone have a great week.